John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a tough act to follow, ain't it? <clears throat> We'd like to welcome everybody this morning. It's, <laughs> it's good to be here this morning and uh, good to laugh and enjoy each other. And uh, it's good them kids have that, uh, that much enthusiasm about being up here and 
I'm glad they're here this morning. I'm glad people make an effort to bring their kids and grandkids here. There ain't no better place we could be this morning. And uh, uh, I, I still got that scripture uh, slate read last night on my mind. I thought about it a couple times. God be for us, who can be against us? Uh, that's, uh, I mean, what else can you say about it? I mean, it's, if God's on your side and you're saved, you've, you've got the victory. It's, we're going to have troubles and trials in this life, but the only thing that matters is you're saved and you're going to heaven. And I, I pray that everybody has that before they leave here today. Uh, I don't really have much else. We just pray that we have the service the Lord have for us. And I'm sure he's going to be here and there's going to be opportunity for people this morning. But I'm asked uh, Sean Henderson to dismiss the Sunday school. say it's good to be here already. Uh, scared to death this morning. Uh, I just got uh, just got word yesterday, after, right after the youth meeting, that uh, mom and dad was going to go to Lee DeWitt's church, and they asked me if I could stand up here and teach Sunday school. And uh, so I'm not real prepared, and. Uh, then I started, I started reading some and, and uh, started studying some of it and, and looking things up online and, and looking through this teacher helper thing and <clears throat> I kind of come to the conclusion that, that uh, dad had told me that this was a hard lesson this morning. And after reading some of the commentaries online and in this book, it, and the different things that people had said about this chapter, uh, 
I kind of come to the conclusion that it, nobody knows what this chapter is talking about. Uh, they, the guy in this book, he, he used a lot of stuff in there to fill in his commentary about why the author used certain words and where the, where the lake of, of Tiberias was at in, in accordance to Jerusalem. And, and I guess some of that stuff's relevant, but uh, why these, why these uh, disciples did what they did and why Jesus did what he did is what I was concerned with when I read this. Uh, we'll go, go ahead and read a couple, chapter, a couple verses here. It's chapter 21 in John. <clears throat> and it says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise he showed he himself. And after these things, is talking about after <clears throat> last week's lesson, we, we read where uh, Thomas was not believing that, that Jesus got up and he said he wasn't going to believe till he could poke his fingers through the holes. And Jesus had come and showed up again in the midst of them and told Thomas, come on, put your hand out here. And Thomas believed and Jesus told him, Blessed are they that, or he said, you have seen and believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet still believe. So I didn't quote that exactly right, but this was after that had happened. And uh, I started wondering, uh, at one point Jesus told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they received power from on high. And I started reading back in some of the other uh, Gospels, and there's a couple places, in, and one of them's in Matthew, or I think two of them might be in Matthew, where Jesus told him to, to, that he would meet him in Galilee. Uh, let me see if I got one. Matthew, I think it's, I think it's Matthew 26. Twenty-six thirty-two is what I got wrote down. Yeah, it says, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Uh, and I started doing some research on uh, why one, one place he said he was going to go before him into Galilee and he was going to meet him in Galilee. And another place he said he, to tarry in Jerusalem. And... Uh, Pretty much what God showed me was he was he was here for 40 days. After he rose up out of the grave, he was here for 40 days among us. Uh, and that's not, that's not to say that for 40 days straight he was with somebody somewhere. He wasn't. Uh, and I don't understand where he came from and where he went. But when you read the scriptures, the things that... Jesus did after his resurrection he just showed up uh, when he when he showed up to the disciples in Jerusalem the, the 12 were in a room with the door locked the Bible said and Jesus appeared in the midst of them where he come from I don't know how did he do that it's beyond me but Jesus God has all power he can do whatever he wants to do if he wanted to show up in the midst of us right now, he would. 
physically I'm talking about. I feel, I can already feel him. He's already here. Uh, but uh, how he did what he did, I don't understand. But the fact that he told him to tarry in Jerusalem in one place, and then he told him to meet him in Galilee in another place, that's because they were, they were different times in that 40-day period where he wanted them to be in a certain place at a certain time. So they went to the Sea of Tiberias, and verse 2 says, There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, which would have been James and John, and two other of his disciples. Uh, so these fellows all got together and they went to Galilee. Uh, knowing that Simon Peter and Thomas and some of these others were uh, professional fishermen, I guess you'd say, before Jesus come along in the first place and told him to follow me. That was their job. That's how they made a living, was fishing. So they went back to Galilee, and I did some looking. The Sea of Tiberias is just another name for the Sea of Galilee, and that's the same place that these fellas used to fish before Jesus come along and told them to come with me. So they was back home. And verse 3 says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. And they say unto him, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Uh, if you think back in the Bible to when Jesus first come walking down that road by the Sea of Galilee, Simon Peter was out there fishing and caught nothing. And Jesus come along and said, why don't you cast your nets on the other side of the boat? And when he did, he caught so many fish, the nets started breaking. And here, these fellows was waiting on Jesus to show up because he told them to meet him there. And, and I could see me doing something like this. It, it get tired of waiting. I'm waiting around on Jesus to show up. I got to do something. I got I to gotta do something. So they went fishing. And Jesus showed up and said, throw your net on the right side of the boat because they had been out there all night and caught nothing. And I did read something interesting about that. Uh, the reason they were out there at night fishing, it had something to do with the heat in, in Israel. Uh, during the day, it's so hot with the sun beating down that the fish dive down deep in the water and their nets won't reach far enough off the boat to catch them. So they go fishing at night when the fish come up to the top to eat. And then they catch them in their nets. And that just was interesting to me that that's why they went out at night and went fishing. Uh, but that's, that was the part right there that was just amazing to me was that we pretty much got an identical scripture from when Jesus was alive and come by and found Peter fishing. And now he's resurrected and he come and found Peter right there in the same place. Uh, and how many times has he found me in the same place? 
in trouble and needing help. You know, you, you could look at this and say, well, they was just out there fishing just for something to do. So it wasn't a big deal. But these guys were professional fishermen. That was their job. That's how they made a living. If they was trying to return to that job and make a living off of them fish that they was going to catch that night, and they come up empty all night, you could look at that and say they was in trouble. They, they were struggling, trying to find something that would be worth anything, and they couldn't find nothing. Couldn't get a, a, a single fish. And Jesus came by and found them. And uh, another thing about this that kind of baffled me is verse 4 says, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Every time somebody seen Jesus after he resurrected, it seems like they didn't know who he was. And you can go through all these commentaries and, and all the commentaries on Google and, and wherever else, and nobody has a good answer for why Jesus was not recognizable after his resurrection. that that the people didn't know it was Jesus every, about every time he showed up and uh, that, that was exactly what my thought was is, is that when I'm not where I need to be and, and God's moving <clears throat> it, it doesn't affect me it, I don't get I don't get any joy out of it I don't get any and I don't get any any spirit out of it because because I'm out of place but when Jesus says hey I'm talking to you I know exactly who it is and I know as soon as he speaks to me who it is and and all these people all these places in the Bible 
when Jesus spoke to them, they knew who it was. The Bible said, never a man spake like this man. And I don't believe that changed after the resurrection. I believe when Jesus spoke to somebody, they knew who it was. Now, I also believe that Jesus might have been talking to one person and the person standing right beside him didn't know who was speaking because he wasn't speaking to that fellow. And, but, <clears throat> but that's just the way the Lord works. And another thing that kind of stood out to me was that when, when Jesus come by in the, early on in the Bible and told Peter, come with me and I'll make you a fisher of men, and then this scripture, when Jesus come by and Peter was fishing, <clears throat> excuse me, both times Jesus stood on the shore and Peter was looking from out in the boat. That might have had a little impact on not knowing who he was because they was out there, not in there where Jesus was at. And I just kind of throw that in there because a lot of times we use that terminology as being out. We ain't, we ain't, we're not in there where Jesus is at. We're out of fellowship. If you're not close enough to be in fellowship, you might not know who you're talking to. Uh, but both times Jesus stood on the shore and hollered out to Peter and, and said, did you catch anything? And Peter said, no. Jesus told him, throw your net over there. And when he did what Jesus told him to do, he caught all the fish he could hold and then some. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I see myself in, in Peter a lot. Um, and, and at this point in time, unless I'm mistaken, uh, I don't believe Jesus had really given the disciples their commission on what they were to do after he was gone. Um, so, <clears throat> so I can see where 
you know, in, in, if I try to put myself in Peter's mentality, he was kind of the leader of the disciples other than Jesus. He was the one that was bullheaded enough to step up and say, come on, we're going to do this. And uh, without having that exact direction from Jesus on what they were to do, they were just told to go to Galilee and wait for me there. <clears throat> and there's other place in the Bible where it says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That's what, he, that's, that's what he told him to do, was go to Galilee and wait. He didn't tell him to do nothing more. And me personally, that's the hardest thing for me to do. That is the hardest thing. If I go, if I come to church and, I, and I'm feeling good about being in a church service, I'm praying for a, just a shouting meeting, and I come in and I sit down and... and the service starts on and nobody's doing anything. I want to get up and do something. I want to kickstart this thing. Let's let's get God let's get God wound up. You know, get the church wound up. Let's, but that's not that's not my place. It, just because I get up and say, "Come on, boys, let's do something," that don't mean God's going to be in it. God ain't got here yet. He's he's still walking along from <clears throat> the shore of Galilee, waiting. We, we're supposed to be waiting for him, not out there throwing a net in the water. Because <coughs> we're not going to catch anything without Jesus being there to, to tell us where to, to, to fish. Uh, but, but they didn't want to stand still and wait on him, so they went fishing. Uh, verse 5, after Jesus hollered at him and they didn't know who he was, then verse 5, Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, no. Uh, the commentary says that him calling them children was like a common, uh, a common greeting, I guess I'll say, uh, to, to say sirs or, or something, something like, you know, respectful, I guess. But another place I read said it was a, uh, like a teacher referring to her students as children. It showed uh, a love for the students. And I, I think I would tend to go with that a little bit more. Jesus was kind of giving them a clue to who was speaking. It's the master. He called them children. Verse 6 says, And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find they cast therefore and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes uh, we've already went over most of that it's 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 uh it's all about following what Jesus tells us to do uh, that's the biggest thing I get out of this lesson is it's it's wait on the Lord and then do what he tells you if I just wait, and, and like I said before, there's a lot of times I'll sit there and, and pray and, and wish and uh, love to get up and sing a song or, or testify or whatever, but God don't give it to me. And he'll just tell me, sit still. It ain't your turn yet. And that's what I got to do. <clears throat> but when he does tell me something to do, 
and I do it the way he wants it done, I can feel spirit move, and that's filling the that's filling the net up to where I can't move it. Uh, that's the good stuff. Verse seven. This is this is one I love. It says, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. Now, I had to do some reading on this. I had to do some, some Googling and some researching. and, and uh, Why Peter didn't know it was the Lord and John did, I don't know. I guess Peter was too bent on doing what Peter was doing because that's the way Peter was. Like I said, that's the way I would be. I'd, sometimes I, somebody's got to let me know, hey, pay attention, the Lord's speaking. Uh, and then I wondered why he had to grab his fisher's coat and why, what was he doing naked out there on the boat fishing. That, that caught my attention and, and just confused me. So I got to reading on that, and they said that <clears throat> a lot of times them guys was out there, and like I said before, they fished during the night because that's when the fish was close enough to the surface. Well, a lot of them, had big enough nets that when they cast their net out, they had to dive in the water and take that net and grab a hold of it and swim down under the boat and wrap it up so they'd get all the fish and close them in on there. So they didn't wear any clothes because the clothes would have got wet and drug them to the bottom of the sea. So they went, they went without any clothes while they was fishing. To them, that was just normal, just made sense. But when he... <clears throat> But when he knew Jesus was out there, and that was Jesus talking to him, said he girded his fisher's coat onto him and cast himself into the sea. And the first thing I thought when I read that was, why did he throw himself off the boat? And it didn't make any sense to me. And then I got to thinking about it a little more, and I read through some more and read down a little farther, and it doesn't say anywhere that he got back on the boat. But on down the way, when the boat got back to the shore, it says Simon Peter went and drew the net in onto the land. He threw himself off the boat so he could get to where God was. He jumped in there and went to Jesus without the boat. He swam to the shore. Uh, they said, it says, uh, right down here, it says they were about 200 cubits from the shore when they was on the ship and they was yelling, talking to Jesus. And uh, 200 cubits, uh, I believe, works out to be in just about the length of a football field, about 300 yards, or 300 feet, I'm sorry, 100 yards. So Peter jumped off the boat and swam to the shore. That's why he grabbed his clothes, because he wasn't coming back. And that's, uh, that's what we need to do. When we know the Lord's talking, get where we can hear him. Get where he can use us. Get where he can tell us what he wants from us. 
Verse 8 says, And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fishes. They couldn't even pull the fish up on the boat. That's what probably what took them so long to get in there. They had to row the boat in there with all them fish dragging behind them. Uh, verse 9 says, As soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus didn't need anything from them. He had something to offer them. It's the same way it is now. Uh, I, I would love, I guess, in my, in my head and in, my, in myself, I would love to be able to say I did something for the Lord every day. But I got to be careful how I'm looking at that. Because if I want to do something for the Lord so that somebody else would see me do something for the Lord, I'm going about it the wrong way. Because there ain't nothing I can do that the Lord needs. Uh, he saved me when I was 11 years old. And there ain't nothing I'll ever be able to do to repay that. There ain't nothing I'll ever be able to do that God needs me to do. Because if I don't do what God wants done, somebody else will. God's got it all in control. Uh, I was thinking the other day about uh, getting saved when I was just 11 years old. And I thought, I, I was actually kind of in the middle of writing, trying to write a song and that ain't working out for me but regardless the thought came to me that, that before time began when, when God and, and Jesus was wherever in, in, the, in the place they were in and they said let us make this earth and let's make man and and Jesus said I'll go uh, <clears throat> he looked down through time and he knew that as worthless and, and as much of a failure as I would be he still said I'll go and I'll die for him I'll do that and there's no way I could ever do anything, not one little thing, and especially not enough little things or enough big things. I could never do anything that God needed. He's had this whole thing laid out and under control since then, since the very beginning. And the only thing he wants from me is obedience, period. The only thing he wanted from Peter was obedience. The only thing he wants from any of us is, is for us to do what he tells us to and to help other people to find him. Uh, and not only, like Terry said a little bit ago, Peter had a lot of influence. So when he went fishing, all these other guys went with him. 
But when he jumped off the boat and took off swimming to the shore, none of the rest of them did, according to this. They didn't follow him back in there because they had work to do. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's, uh, I guess, neither here nor there, but the way I look at it, Peter kind of shrugged off the, the boat and all the fish and, and whatever else needed done out there on the sea, and he took off to get where Jesus was at, which not necessarily a bad thing. But the rest of them stayed put on the boat, and they brought the boat and all the fish to where Jesus was at. But when they got there, get back to this, when they got there, Jesus already had the fire going. He had the fish on the fire, and he had bread made. He didn't need a thing from them guys. He had something for them. In verse 10, Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. I don't know what the I don't know what the relevance is of the bringing the fish when he didn't need them, but it also uh, they the place they were in. I don't know for sure because it doesn't say, but I I can kind of picture uh, this being a pretty active place. If this was a place where early on in the in the early on in verse three it said when they decided to go fishing they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. So I'm guessing there was probably a whole bunch of ships, boats, whatever you want to call them, probably a whole bunch of them right there in that same location, and that's why they didn't have no trouble getting in one. They went there and they jumped right in a boat and away they went. So I can picture this being a busy fishing plot spot. Uh, and they just got there uh, in the morning and found Jesus waiting on them and said it was in the morning, early first thing in the morning. So if this was going to be a, a place where a lot of people was coming to get fish and the, and the uh, Fishermen were just coming in, and the town folk was coming out to get the fresh fish. Uh, Jesus had a fire going first thing in the morning and was cooking up fish and bread. He might have been intending to feed a whole multitude of people right there that morning. I don't know this, but when has Jesus not showed up, or when has Jesus showed up and not been ready to feed somebody? Spiritually, Jesus can give us what we need. Uh, he's got the power, but he's the one that gave them the fish to start with, and he's the one that told them to bring the fish in. So, everything that God wants us to do, and every gift that God gives us, has a
disciples, the other ones that were out there, I think they came on a little boat. I think they came in. Possibly the larger boat uh, wouldn't have come all the way up in the harbor, but they come up in a little boat, which it says that back there. Mm -hmm. they, the other disciples came in a, in a little ship. And then uh, verse 11 here, where it says Simon Peter uh, went up and drew the net uh, to land full of fishes. Uh, Simon Peter did that. I, I don't know if he did it by himself or not, but he was a part of it. And so, what, and just along the line of what you're saying, there was work to be done. Uh, there might have been a multitude there. The Bible doesn't say it like you lined that up. But I'm sure that every fish that was caught in that net had a purpose. Mm -hmm. And even the smallest thing that God wants us to do has a purpose. And if we don't do it, Something's missing, something's left out. Uh, and I'm glad God's got the whole thing in picture. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Verse 11, like he just said, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Uh, I was reading some of this commentary online, and it said that Bible scholars for years have been trying to figure out some significance to that 150 and 3. And that just kind of made me chuckle a little bit when I read that, because I thought, in my head, I thought, you know, there's people that'll read something in the Bible and take out one little bit and pull it off to itself and say, what's this? This has got to be something. What does this mean? Uh, you, you, I learned a long time ago, you've got to take the Bible as a whole. You can't pick and choose what scriptures you want to pull apart. And, and a lot of stuff if you if you pull two verses out of a chapter and use them two verses by themselves they look like they mean something completely different than when you put them in the context of what the book has written so that 153 fish if it does mean anything god didn't tell me uh, maybe there was 153 people coming to eat that morning i don't know but regardless, the, I think the important part there was yet was not the net broken. Uh, God has a way when we're doing things, and <clears throat> if we do what God tells us to do, uh, it won't it won't come to naught. If that net had broke before they or as they were pulling it out of the water. Every one of them fish would have been right back in the sea swimming away. I've had that happen to me before. Break a fishing line and that fish is gone. You don't have a second chance. If that net would have broke, 153 fish would have been singing freedom and away they went. But the net didn't break because Jesus said it wasn't going to break. Uh, he's got that ability. If we do what God tells us to do, it won't be fruitless. Uh, 
for me, that's difficult sometimes because I, I try to do my best, try to live my life in a godly way and, and, and be a light to those around me and, and an example to my family. A lot of times it seems like I'm not doing any good. But on the other hand, if I wasn't doing it the way I'm doing it, how much damage would I be doing? God never said my people would come and get saved. Never guaranteed it. The reason he didn't guarantee it is because he gave us all free will. And my kids can listen to what I'm telling them and they can come and they can live for God and they can do right. Or they can choose not to. But when they lay me down in a box up here, they ain't going to have no doubt where I went. <clears throat> if they ever decide that they want to live a godly life, I hope they don't have no doubt where to look for an example. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, I couldn't have asked for better examples. I don't, personally, I don't know of any time my dad ever stepped foot outside of the will of God. <laughs> I never seen it if he did. Uh, now, my kids can't say the same thing. They've seen me out there at my worst, but they've also seen me doing God's will. And I, I said a long time ago, we, we've been back to trying to live for God for, 15 years now or something like that and I said a long time ago over at Lafayette that the worst thing uh, my worst regret was knowing that people could pull up my past and say well look what you used to do but then God showed me one time that there's a whole bunch of children right here in this church that don't know anything about me except me being right here and if they don't never know anything about me besides me being right here, that would be a good thing. So, you know, some of the people that I looked up to when I was growing up probably had their days where they wasn't in the sun. But I didn't know it because I was just, I wasn't born when that happened. And I, the only thing I know of them is what I saw of them in church. And I'm still getting strength off of what they did in their life even though they've, some of them have been gone a long time. But uh, I better hurry up and read this. Verse 12 says, Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord.